0: I invite people to, to really focus on doing things that they care about, that they love that because that's what's going to make you feel good about, about it at the end of the day and just be real. People are looking for people who are authentic and real.
1: You're listening to Ecomonics, a debutified podcast, your resource for one-of-a-kind insights into the world of e-commerce and business in the modern age. This is Joseph. I'll be presenting a wealth of industry knowledge from interviews with successful business people and our own state-of-the-art research. Your time is valuable, so let's go. My talk today with Carolina Mian has to do with shaping your life in a way that blends work, life, and your goals into one cohesive image. We also get into ClickFunnels, an important and effective tool that gives you the ability to craft the precise experience you want the users to have. Have a listen and see the potential for yourself. Carlina Mian. How'd I do? Was that all right?
0: Yeah. You got all
1: right. It. I was, I was practicing cause I was doing a research on you and I wanted to make sure I got that at least like 75% of the way there. Uh, welcome to Ecomonics. It is good to have you here. Thank you for having me. You're most welcome. Uh, the first question, the one question above all else on the list here, because it's number one on the list, is who are you and what do you do?
0: Yeah. So well, I'll try to keep it short, but I <laughs> so don't know, mid
1: m- medium length, I, I think medium would, length, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so, so I'm Carolina, as you said. Um, I'm from Chile uh, South America. I, I live here. I love to travel but this year has been special so not much of it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's one way so, to characterize it.
0: Yeah so I, I started my, my first business back in 2008. I was um, fresh out of a university at my first job. I didn't really know much about entrepreneurship. I I did study business at university. And in my mind, it was like, okay, you get a degree, you get a job, and then one day you retire and and that's it, you know, the usual. Mm -hmm. About six months into my job, even though I was enjoying it, I was working in human resources. It was fun and everything, great environment. But I started thinking, okay, can I really do this for the next 40 years? Can I really be behind the cubicle? you know, working for other people, having so many limitations, you know, how many mm-hmm. hours in a day that you have to sell to someone else, uh, no permission to go to things that you want to go to. Uh, you don't have, per- you need to ask for permission to get sick, permission for holidays, permission for everything. So I was like, I don't like this lack of freedom that I have here. So I started, you know, thinking about it. And, and one day, and, and that's like the law of attraction, because I was just thinking about it. And then a friend, like a colleague comes to me and offers me this business opportunity. And I wasn't even I wasn't even good friends with her. She was <laughs> just like, would you be interested in, in checking out this business opportunity? I was like, oh sure. And it turned out to be a, a network marketing company um, that she had just joined. It seemed interesting. I knew what network marketing was. It wasn't exactly my thing, but I figured, hey, let's give it a try. So I joined this this network marketing opportunity, and this was um, around September of two thousand eight. So the crisis hit shortly after I joined, and um, because the uh, financial crisis, at the yeah, the the, the okay. recession of two thousand eight, which hit around September October remember um, when
1: that was the only crisis that we had to deal with?
0: Uh, yeah yeah I remember <laughs> I, mean, I mean
1: I'm having nostalgia for the 2008 financial recession but anyways
0: yeah it, it, good times actually I, yeah. I missed those times. <laughs> so that recession hit and naturally nobody wanted to invest in, in a business. the US dollar went through the roof compared to my currency. so because of that and the network marketing company being a US company, you know everything you bought, membership was in us dollars so suddenly the the investment i made which was a thousand dollars became like a full month salary for me like oh okay that's a lot of money so i started researching online okay how do you do this thing because my colleague who referred me she was like okay you gotta tell your friends and family about this like what so i didn't like that system so i went to google how do you actually do this kind of business? And that's how I found a few experts, most of them from the US, telling you that you're not supposed to be stalking friends and family and everybody you ever met, but you should be creating content. You should be on social media. I didn't. I, I barely had Facebook and LinkedIn at the time, and I wasn't using them much except for work. So... When I read that, it made a lot of sense to me. OK, I, I like the idea of putting value out there, creating content, having other people reach out to you instead of you bugging anyone and everyone. So I started doing that. That's how I, I got on, on Twitter. I started creating YouTube videos towards the beginning of 2009. And slowly, I, I began to see that I actually like that better than the network marketing thing. So I, I, I was really enjoying using social media. Yeah. From a business perspective, not just to catch up with friends, but to actually build a brand. And that's how I started getting a little bit of attention. And then people started reaching out to me locally here. Like, hey, it looks like you know how to use social media. Can you help me with my business? Like, I have this restaurant and I would love to be using Twitter for this. And so I started working as a freelance social media consultant Uh, while I was still at my job. And then it wasn't until 2010 that I was able to quit my job, finally. So about two and a half years later, when I was able to replace my salary with uh, the money I was making from being a freelancer. So that's like the beginning. I quit the network marketing company because I only recruited two Mm. people in two years. It was a really (laughs) big failure. But uh, it was what opened the door for me towards entrepreneurship and, and what I do today, which later evolved into... Uh, speaking and, and I started creating more content and started doing uh, higher uh, paid consulting, creating online courses, affiliate marketing. So all of these different things started working out for me and that kind of took me to where I am today.
1: That's awesome. So one thing that I appreciate is that you were consulted before you considered being a consultant. People just saw what you're doing and they said, wow, proof through, um, proof through example.
0: Exactly, exactly. So I was, um, I was not offering the services, like I was just doing my thing, I was sharing content that I was, you know, if I, if I read an article, and I thought it was interesting, I would share it, I started my own blog. So people are like, Oh, it looks like you know how to use this thing. Can you mm-hmm. help me? I was not even offering.
1: The <laughs> same thing happened to me in podcasting, because I've been in uh, I've been a media guy for about 10 years, and I was just doing it because I wanted to do it it never occurred to me that I could be a professional at it until somebody had reached out to me to make a show. And I wasn't being paid for it. In fact, I was paying money to make it. But the distinction was I was paying money to make sure it was professional quality, because then I could show that to other people. So Mm. it goes to show that being ahead of the curve and adopting newer technologies gives you an edge, because other people will see that you've figured out this uh, this thing. Because I bet you, at least with me with podcasting, it seems so natural to me. It seems pretty straightforward and people are like, I don't mm. get this at all. An RSS feed, a microphone, what is going on?
0: Yeah, I know it, like, it took me, it took me like two years to start my own podcast because it seemed so difficult to me <laughs> until I, <laughs> I, <laughs> it seemed like, how do you get the audio to reach yeah. Apple and all this stuff? It well, did,
1: it did <laughs> seem difficult to me too. Yeah. I will <laughs> I will say that it wasn't easy for me right away, but. Uh, 10 it was years, a learning sh- curve. Yeah. <laughs> So before we get into what you're up to today, because I have looked at your different uh, you know, programs and agencies and uh, and body of work, I, I just want to know what exactly network marketing is. I know you don't do that now, but I, I don't remember hearing that term before.
0: Oh, well, it's, it's another way to call it is multi-level marketing. It's another name for it. It's um, when people work as representatives of companies and they get paid commissions when they sell their products. So for example, mm-hmm. there's Herbalife, there's uh, Mary Kay, there's Avon, there's like a bunch oh,
1: of- Oh, okay. You know so type I mean? of wear parties?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. that was actually okay. network, network marketing in the old okay. days.
1: Yeah, as as soon as you said Avon, the whole thing clicked. Because uh, yeah. I've I've had friends who, well, she she didn't try to sell Avon directly to me, but she wanted me <laughs> to talk to my mom.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like when I was okay. little, my my mom probably did one or two of those Tupperware parties. I had no idea what it was back then, but now I I do. <laughs> so yeah.
1: That that clears that up. So I think I was able to discover everything that you're up to. I think I got it all. Uh, but you have Let's quite, see. A maybe few you got it screams. wrong. Uh, maybe so YouTube, uh, beyond the hustle podcast, mm-hmm. uh, social ads agency, your marketing rock stars, mentoring program, an inner circle program, and then a web presence agency, which is a term that I made up because it encapsulates your click funnels, your websites and your blogs. All right. So <laughs> how did I do?
0: Yeah, aside from that, I do online courses. Um, The thing is, my focus has shifted the past year, I guess, towards the Spanish market. So I'm doing a lot more content and courses and coaching in in Spanish than before. And agency is something that I have like kind of in the back burner. I don't really promote it a lot. I discovered I didn't like agency service. Like I didn't like dealing with agency clients. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. It was not very enjoyable. I prefer consulting clients. Fair enough. What what sticks to me about uh, your work is that there's a level of personalization that I don't see very often. I know you're not doing it very much this year because of the pandemic, but there were three levels of uh, mentoring that you would offer. People could just have a Zoom call with you, or they could fly to your area, or you could fly to their area. Mm -hmm. So that's fascinating. As far as I know, no one has done that. So yeah, what what's going on there? Are you, is this still like a, a pr- going to be a primary thing? Because I remember reading it and said, you know, once the pandemic is over, we'll get back to this. So tell us some more about this and why it's so uh, effective to be working with people person to person.
0: Yeah. Well, I did a lot of that between 2016 and 2018. I had, I don't remember exactly how many, but I had a few clients that came here, like from Australia I had somebody come here to Chile just to work with me for 3 days I had a couple clients fly me to the US to Ireland I worked with clients in New York so it was really fun at that time and I wasn't I wasn't that busy I mean I wasn't as busy I guess as I am today because mm-hmm. I was creating less content I had I had less of my own program so it was one of my primary focuses the the one-on-one consulting and I was doing affiliate marketing as well. So when you do affiliate marketing, it's a little bit like it's a little bit like network marketing, except you don't have to build like this big organization. You just refer people. You don't need to build a team, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So if you like a software, you promote it, and somebody likes it, that you get a commission. So it was easier for me to do that than network marketing. So I was doing that, and it was fun because I, I saw that working with people in person, it was way more intensive. And I could like really uh, teach them the things they needed to do and execute them on the spot instead of okay see you next week as it is with the online mentoring where we meet once a week and sometimes you know people don't get as much stuff done between uh, one meeting and, and the next mm-hmm. but right now it's something I'm trying to face out because it's very time-consuming uh, working one-on-one with people. So I'm trying to leverage my time and maybe creating uh, group coaching programs and, and focusing more on online courses where where I can help a lot of people at once instead of just sitting and working with people one-on-one. But again, um, a lot of people love that. I don't see a lot of people doing it the way that I do it because mm-hmm. it's very time-consuming, but it's it's very enjoyable.
1: Yeah, I I can imagine too, that it's uh, the, there's a little bit of a trade-off because you do get to have a more enjoyable experience on your end as well. I mean, work is work, but the ability to travel to different parts of the world and to immerse yourself in different cultures uh, is something is, I think, a a takeaway that you uh, can use to build your own life experience.
0: Yes. Yes. And, and. You know, it's, it's very, for me, it was like the ideal scenario being able to mix work and travel. Like I'm going to this location and I, I'm getting paid to be there. Uh, and, you know, on top of that, I'm working with a client, I'm helping someone. So it was like win-win all over the place. So I still, you know, I still really enjoy that. Probably uh, once we're able to move around more, I'll probably go back to doing workshops or masterminds or this kind of group events where I can leverage my time a little more and still get to go to different places.
1: Mm -hmm. Have you been able to travel at all in the last year?
0: Only within my country. Like the last time I went to the U S was in February, like right, right at, right when the pandemic was hitting, I was in California, I remember. And I left on February 8th or something, and then Mm -hmm. in March. I had a little trip inside Chile and then last week for the first time between March and and well, what was last week, October, for the yep. first time, in like eight months, uh, we took a little trip, at like three hours from here.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, my, uh, my, my girlfriend, she was in uh, Taiwan visiting her family. Uh, she came back r- like days before the country was shut down. So that could have That's gone cool. in a very different direction.
0: Yeah. It could have been stuck there for a long time. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> It's nice though. Oh yeah, just from the from the pictures you sent me. So, (laughs) your your work revolves around the idea of uh, designing your life, and I want to hear where this uh, philosophy uh, comes from. And what I find interesting about it is that it's, I mean, life is a mixture of a lot of things. It's experience. It's it's lifestyle. It's business. It's it's work. But all of that all that comes together. So, what's the philosophy behind uh, designing your life?
0: Yes. Well, that's that's something that. For me, I remember when I was in this in this company I told you about uh, mm-hmm. twelve years ago. They had this this um, I guess you could say it was not a slogan. Maybe it was a slogan, but it was like do life like right? like do. I, I was like, okay, what does it mean to do your life like? Okay, and and from there I started getting it. Like, oh, okay, so it's like actually living, and then okay. What if you could really design the life that you, that you want to live? And that's what I started doing myself. Like everything I do, everything I teach are things I've done myself first uh, before I go and tell somebody else about it. So mm-hmm. I, I, I got to the point where I was really designing my own life. Like, OK, where do I want to be next month? And where do I want to go? And as long as I have an internet connection, uh, that's, that's, like, that's all that I, that I need. I, I get to pick the people that I want to work with. And, you know, I I started uh, sharing that message with people that it was possible. And it started with, you know, my story, how I quit my job because my job w- was not allowing me to design my life. like My, my job was dictating my life. And I remember because uh, in 2009, when I was still at my job, I started getting some media attention locally in Chile. Cause I was, I was gaining some followers. It was really pathetic though. I mean, I, because, <laughs> because, because Twitter had very few users in my country. So suddenly I had 3000 followers and I was like, Oh wow, I think you're the most followed woman in Chile. And I was like, uh, OK, that's because celebrities were not on it yet. So, uh. so there were no celebrities yet on Twitter at all. So it was easy to be the most followed woman on it. But somehow um, it got some attention. And I went to a couple of TV interviews and newspapers. And then I remember there was a particular interview that I was uh, participating in for a newspaper, a big newspaper in Chile. And they needed me for a photo shoot. And I couldn't go because my boss wouldn't give me permission. And, and that's when it really hit me like, OK, I mm-hmm. missed out on the opportunity of being on the cover of a magazine because my boss didn't want to give me permission to go to this other city to get the photo shoot. So those little things, like they started piling up and I was like, I really need to not have a job if I really want to live my life to the fullest. So that's what it is about, the fact that you can free yourself from this corporate world and not be a paid slave anymore and just, you know, make the money that you want to make and decide what you're worth instead of having other people decide your worth. So that's kind of what the philosophy is about. It's about uh, freeing yourself from from all those ties and really doing what, what you're passionate about, what you really want to do.
1: And I think the corporate world does need to understand that there needs to be some transformation in the mm-hmm. way people work, and so, and some of that I think has been forced upon companies because now they Actually, realize, yeah. but we don't want to eng- endanger people's lives. So I guess they can work from home. It, it frees up ten hours a week for a lot of people based on commuting. Uh, yeah. The other thing I, I observe too that's funny about because um, I've I've been in the in the corporate world too. I've done uh, uh, mainly in this in the sales division, uh, but we we were at a WeWork, and I would I, I would go I would work. <clears throat> excuse me. And then I would get up and I would get myself a coffee, and I would end up chatting with somebody in the break room. And over the course of the day, I mean, I'm there for eight hours, but I probably worked five and a half. So th- there, there's a lot that needs to be redesigned about that. And just for my position too, is that I right now I consider what I'm doing a job. I've got deadlines to meet, interviews to be present for, and I've got um, uh, you know administrative stuff that I have to work on. So it is a job, but There is an immense amount of freedom to it that no other job has given me. Because if I feel like, oh, I'll finish a script tomorrow, I can go do that. So this is the kind of job that people should, uh, should aspire for.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, the other thing is maybe entrepreneurship is not for everybody, but there is like a middle, uh, Mm -hmm. there's like a place in the middle where you can have more freedom than just the usual corporate job.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. So let's get into the the click funnels because these these are some of the important uh, stuff that I think this is the main reason why we wanted to get you on the show is because a lot of our listeners are just looking for different ways to get into business and, and generate their revenue. So in a recent script that I did for like a personal solo episode, I was talking about funnels, but it was mainly the sales funnel just more like the the philosophy of the principle of you attract a customer's attention and then they come to the website and converts into sales but what I learned after the fact is that you can build a website that is a funnel it's a click funnel can you uh, elaborate on this for our audience and you know what kind of funnels do you use yourself assuming you do or uh, what kind of funnels that you teach to your to your clients
0: of course yeah um, I love click funnels obviously uh, there are other platforms out there, there are a lot more now. They, they started in 2014 and back then there were like three others. Now they're popping up everywhere. Like, <laughs> uh, But what I really love about them besides the, the, the software, the platform is the people behind it. I think that's really important. The leadership, uh, I love Russell Brunson. I've had him on, on my podcast a couple of times. And I started using the platform back in you know at the end of 2014, beginning of 2015. And before that, I was using WordPress. I was ju- just using WordPress themes to build my funnels. There was one called Optimize Press that I used a lot. But ClickFunnels turned out to be a little more friendly, more you know easy, like a little easier for for the newbie. And it was it was very simple to use. So I, I switched like uh, all of my funnels to their platform, and. Uh, the way I explain to people is: you have, you know, your website, your your blog, your typical WordPress website. You can turn that into a funnel uh, by simply having an opt-in form somewhere and mm-hmm. capturing people's information, people's uh, names and emails, and then you take them through this little journey where, okay, you, you download a free ebook or a free guide or a free PDF or a free video, free audio. You just give people your information in return. And then there's a confirmation page where you either tell them, okay, here's your audio, or you make them another offer. So you can start with a free thing. And then there's a thank you page where, Hey, you know, thank you for downloading this free audio. By the way, I have this other cool thing that you can get for a very special, like uh, discount that you'll, that you will not see anywhere else. Obviously you're supposed to be ethical about that. So, If people are are able to find that discount somewhere else, then it's not very, uh, it's not true what you said. So it has to be true. (laughs) (laughs) So I usually offer them, like if they download my free ebook, then I offer them one of my courses with a discount. Like, hey, I have this mini course that normally sells for 37, you can get it for 14, but you'll only see it on this page. And then if people say yes to that, then you can take them to another offer, like, something else, another course, another discount, another, you know, or book a call with us or something. It can be a paid offer. Or it can be another free thing that will lead to a sale at some point, obviously. I, I see that a lot of companies, you go to their website and they miss the opportunity of turning a visitor, t- turning a click into a lead, a prospect, mm-hmm. because they don't have any opt-in form anywhere. So you either buy or you don't buy. There's nothing in between where at least they get your data. And what ClickFunnels does is that instead of having just your website, where the way I see my website is like a branding tool where people can go and learn more about me and read my blog and stuff. But if I have a specific promotion, I don't send people to my website because they're all these distractions. I send them to a funnel where there's only one single objective. There's one single action I want them to do. And there's just one thing I'm offering them, not read my story read my blog contact me hire me mm-hmm. no no none of that but you have one ebook or one report or one video or one webinar one class and you want to watch it or not and enter your details here or one product you can have a sales letter and just sell a single product instead of just you know having a, a catalog with all of your products which mm-hmm. does work better i think in e-commerce but with info products it's better to To separate them and not sell the whole catalog in just one page, unless people already know you, which is when they land on your website and they're doing research, then that is a good place to have everything displayed. But when you're sending paid traffic, for example, Facebook ads, it's more efficient um, to send people to a single sales funnel that does what I just described, the same thing, Mm -hmm. just, Hey, download this free report give me your email. Then there's a confirmation page where I offer you something else. And then I either offer you another thing. So some people have like nine or 10 offers in a row. Um, And if if you don't want one, then they they do another one. If you say no, then they'll probably give you another discount on the same product as you said no before. So it can be very complex. You can bundle products like, hey, if you took this one and take three for the price of two or something like that. So that, that, that's what a, what a funnel is. And that's how it's a little different from just a simple static uh, website where there isn't much of that going on. I hope that I explained mm-hmm.
1: that well. You did. It, uh, it, I briefly flashed back to an episode of South Park where the parents, they all, they're all sitting down uh, in a conference room to be sold a timeshare and they all get up to leave and they enter another room and they think it's the exit, but it's another conference room with another timeshare pitch. So I I can see how it can get like, okay, hang on a second. Can I have my freedom back now? But, you know, when done effectively and efficiently. A
0: supermarket is is also a good example of a funnel because usually you go in there, oh I need to buy milk. And you walk out of there with like three or more, five other things you were not supposed to buy, but they were offering them to you. Like, hey, you want to try this? And then you exit the market with more
1: stuff. Same goes for uh, convenience stores too. You always, the milk is always in the back because impulsively, if I walk past the Pringles, I'm going to want, exactly. I'm going to want some of those. Yep. So one thing that I'm, I'm wondering about is when you're providing some value upfront, whether it's a, it's an ebook or something along those lines versus what product is you want them to uh, to sign up for and pay for is how do you divvy up what value you're offering for free versus what value you want people to uh, put money down for?
0: Well, that's that's a good question because a lot of people okay. are, are like, where is the line between how much value am I supposed to give away for free? And then when should I start charging? <laughs> so mm-hmm. normally what, what I tell people is whatever you give away for free should be be valuable enough that you would ask for money for it like if you could so it should be valuable enough but just enough information so that the person wants more so for example if i give you a free um a free report and i show you this is how you should do your first facebook ad right and Hmm. i do i add some screenshots of some sample ads and I, and I tell you, okay, a winning Facebook ad should have this elements, right? And I break it down for you. So now, oh, that's interesting. Now I understand. But now how do I go and place an ad? And then I would offer you my Facebook ads course because... Okay, sure, you have the perfect template for the ad, but you don't know all the other stuff that you need to know to place that Facebook ad. You don't know you don't know about the pixels yet or retargeting. you don't know mm-hmm. um, how to do a conversion campaign, when should you do conversions versus traffic versus engagement, blah blah blah, all this stuff. So there's still a lot to know, but at least now you understand, the layout of a winning ad. Oh, great! So I should have a question at the beginning, and then this much text, and then this kind of photo versus no, this this other kind of photo uh, or a video. And and for a beginner, that's great because now they have a better idea of an ad that's going to produce some results. But now they need to know all the other stuff that goes on. So there's something that. It's valuable enough, gives people some value, but it's still not enough to get the ultimate result that they're after. So that's where you would start charging. But what you want to do with the free stuff is you want to at least give them a result. It cannot be like like something super vague or where you tell people things that are too obvious, but you, you want to give them something that you have learned yourself through experience that you have helped other people with, and maybe other people paid for it, and you're giving it now for free for a limited time. That would be a good way to structure something that you will give away for free. Another thing would be a video tutorial where you take it one step further instead of just giving them a PDF template. Now you do a little tutorial where you show them something. But again, you leave enough things out So that people need more to get to the next step, but at least they get a little result, right? They, oh, great, I can go and fix this, but now I need, I want this person to help me even further because they also prove that they know what they're talking about. So that's the other objective of your free content that people see that you know what you're talking about so that they will want to work with you even more or buy more of your products.
1: So that right there, I think touches on the exact um, answer that people are looking for, because if the free content doesn't provide any results, then people will think, okay, hang on a second. I think I'm just being taken for a ride here because, right. oh, don't worry, you, you'll you get your results once you sign up and start paying versus getting results and realizing, okay, well, this is, this is as far as I can get for free, but it's starting to get the ball rolling and now I can sign up for further. Okay. That, that makes, that makes sense. Uh, everybody take notes, please.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's Learn, exactly God, notes. <laughs> Cause yeah. I've seen like lead magnets, like that's the, the technical work that we use for, you know, when you give mm-hmm. people a freebie in exchange for their information and there are some where they really don't tell you anything. <laughs> so <it's> like, <laughs> Okay. What did I, I got nothing. <laughs> so. Just add value and don't worry too much. Am I, am I teaching? Am I saying too much? You're probably not. I mean, if, if your entire experience can be summed up in three pages, then maybe you should be investing more in yourself before you go sell anything.
1: Mm-hmm. It's great that you said that term, cause uh, that was actually something that I had a uh, chambered about, uh, investing in yourself. Uh, mm-hmm. there's a right way to do it. And then I guess there's, well, I suppose there's a wrong way to do it, so. When you talk to people about investing in yourself, what exactly do you uh, do you recommend people do?
0: that That's something I learned very early on. Like that was a, a phrase that was thrown around back in, well, for a really long time when i when I got started, when I bought my first online course uh, mm-hmm. ten plus years ago. And what it means is you invest in yourself. It's not just money. Like, yeah, it, if you need to buy a course, if you, to, if you need to attend a seminar and it's a paid seminar, if you need to hire a mentor, a coach, someone, there's money involved, of course. But even just reading a book, um, that that's investing time in yourself. That's investing, uh, you know, in, in acquiring more skills. So... That's what it means. Like a lot of people, they just go online, they want to start a business, they want to be successful, and they're not willing to invest in themselves at all. They just want to see the result right away without any effort. <laughs> so there has to be some effort. And so investing in yourself is, is all of that, is reading a book, it's attending a seminar, it's talking to people, it's uh, learning from someone who knows a little more than you do. Uh, it's sitting down and watching uh, YouTube videos that are useful and not just mm-hmm. for entertainment. So you can invest time and money in, in yourself to make yourself more valuable so that other people will see that and they will want to invest in you because if you if you don't invest in you, why would you ask someone else to invest in you? Like why would other people pay you when you mm-hmm. are not even, you know, willing to put money? to make yourself more valuable. So that's the way I see it. And again, sometimes it's attending something for free. So it's not always money involved. But I remember when I was starting out, I didn't have much money to be buying a lot of courses or, or coaching or any of that. So I attended so many free webinars where I was blown away by the content and this, like, is this free? Like, wow, I wish Mm -hmm. I could buy the thing that the person is offering at the end of the webinar. And when I was able to, I started, when I was able to afford those courses, I started buying them because I was getting so much value for free. So that that's investing time in yourself and, and then eventually if you can invest money, usually you'll go a little faster than just all the free stuff. Because there's a lot of free content out there, but nobody's gonna be there to guide you and tell you which one is the good one and which one isn't. So that's where when you invest money, usually that means you're saving time as well
1: hmm. And, and, you know, that's one of the philosophies that I have with this podcast as well, is that, you know, every week I'm interviewing people and I'm meeting uh, so many new brains and so many new ideas. And it gives uh, and it gives listeners a chance to decide, you know, hey, maybe I want to reach out to this person or maybe I want to work with this person or follow this person's ideas. And and I'm even going through that uh, myself, too, with all the people that I've met. If I were to, you know, if I were to look into any of these other people further, I could not possibly go through everybody because it's yeah. because of just how much free content there is. You know, it's funny too, I <laughs> just, uh, just imagine like if I was sitting in one of these free seminars and then there was nothing for sale, I would find that perplexing, like, hang on weird. a second. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> usually there is, there's always something, um, sometimes there are speakers who, and you can tell right away, this speaker got paid to be here because they didn't sell anything. This other speaker didn't get paid to be here. So he needs to sell something to, to make some money out of his time on the seminar. <laughs> But, Mm -hmm. um, if they delivered value, like you'll see people are not bothered at all by the sales pitch. If, if it's just an entire one hour sales pitch, then usually that doesn't give people like a good impression.
1: Mm -hmm. Agreed. Mm All right. So the next thing I want to ask about is, um, your experience with affiliate marketing, uh, Mm -hmm. our listeners provided that they've listened to every episode so far, they should have some understanding of it, uh, which, and you also, by the way, you mentioned it, uh, briefly. Uh, earlier on so that also would uh, help people understand what it is but can you tell us a little bit more about your experience with affiliate marketing how it worked for you and like what's your position with it now
0: yeah absolutely i like I said it's it's uh something I really like because of the leverage that it gives you where you don't have to deliver the product you don't have to deal with the customer service a uh, lot of things payment processing you know you just Promote something you believe in. Hopefully a lot of people promote things they don't believe in, but that's, that's a different type of affiliate marketing. I don't like so much.
1: (laughs) I used to sell purses, so I know what that feels like.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's not so bad, but you know, there are people who who will promote supplements, um, for serious diseases and they don't even know if they work or not, but Hey, the offer Mm -hmm. is so good. And it's converting so let's make some money out of this but i think for me like i could not promote a supplement if i don't know that it works or you know because you're messing with people's health and dreams and stuff so Mm -hmm. i i I try to only promote things that i i use or at least um if i'm not using it because maybe i don't need it but i know the owner Examp for example i don't need an english course because i speak english But if I know somebody that created an English course and I know their values and and it matches my values and I know people ask me all the time, where did you learn English? How do you speak so well? Um, Well, check out this course. So that's one thing where I would promote it where I don't necessarily need it. But at least I know Mm -hmm. it's a good course that I'm getting behind. So it's. It's um for me it was a good experience, but at the beginning, with the first couple of times I tried affiliate marketing, obviously it didn't work, you know, because very few things work on the first try. (laughs) Uh, Mm -hmm. But I didn't give up. I didn't give up. Like if I had given up, I think I'd still be at my job probably. (laughs) (laughs) Because a lot of things just didn't work at the beginning. And then it wasn't until like two thousand twelve that I bumped into this company that was promoting I mean that was selling high ticket affiliate marketing, and that was something new to me. I hadn't heard that term before. Oh, what, what is high ticket? Oh, it means you instead of selling a thirty dollar product, you sell a thousand dollar product uh, or more. Uh, so instead of making a ten dollar commission per sale, you make five hundred or a thousand or or sometimes ten thousand. So that was interesting because selling a thousand ten dollar ebooks. It's not. I mean, I mean, you, you can make ten thousand. Wait, so ten ten dollars by by a thousand that would be ten thousand, right? <laughs> so uh, you can make ten thousand se- dollars selling one thousand ten dollar ebooks, or you can just sell five two thousand dollar clients, right? If you sell high ticket, mm-hmm. and selling just five is not, you know that much harder it it is a little harder to sell a two thousand dollar product but it it is not 200 times or 20 times harder than than selling the ebook so it makes it made sense to me that okay i can put more effort but the reward is way higher and the low ticket stuff was not really working for me or i bought courses that didn't make sense so in 2012 i started working with this company And um, they were selling $2,000 courses and certifications. And then they started doing seminars and masterminds uh, where all expenses were covered. People would attend there. Uh, They would learn a lot from the speakers and get training in marketing, finances, funnels, um, you name it, personal development. Mm -hmm. And I could bring people into this and and make uh, commissions. So that started working really well for me. They had a sales system where I just had to send people to um, a lower ticket offer and then they would do the, the upselling, right? So somebody buys a $49 uh, course uh, and my job was to just sell the front end. So the $40 course or, or the $49 course. But instead of me just making 20 bucks, that was a potential to make thousands because then that person would, entered their funnel, and it wasn't my funnel anymore. It was their funnel now. So I didn't have to get on the phone with people. I didn't have to sell them the rest of the products, and I would still get paid a percentage of what they did. Unfortunately, a few years later, back in 2018, they closed this company. Um, <laughs> they, got, they got in trouble with the, with the US government, with the FTC, unfortunately. But it was a great company. I, I made good money with it. I made, met a lot of people, learned like so much from everything they were teaching. But of course, they made a few mistakes in their marketing, made a few promises you're not supposed to make. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you're not, like you can't tell people you're going to make X, y, X amount of money in X amount of time. And so even as an affiliate, right, you're still somehow, it gives you more freedom but you're still somehow dependent on what the company will do and so they made some mistakes and unfortunately that cost me a very important income source but the experience was was great definitely worth it and i learned a lot about how affiliate marketing really works i learned a lot about selling high ticket products and how again it's not 100 times harder to sell than a $10 ebook
1: you know, the one, the part I appreciate about that uh, is that I'm sorry, I'm just laughing because <laughs> getting, I, 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 while you were talking, I'm like, uh, FTC, what does that stand for? Oh, right. Federal trade commission. Okay. That makes
0: Federal sense. trade commission. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so what I appreciate about it though, is that it refers people to a low ticket item. And then from there it's, it's up to them. So if somebody is, uh, talked into a, a store for, uh, I don't know, like a really good vacuum cleaner. Oh, yeah, I am here for the vacuum cleaner. Yes, good. But we also have this electric car. So, exactly. you know, l- <laughs> let them let them deal with that. It can be pretty jarring for somebody to be referred to the electric car right away.
0: Yeah, that's why there's like a that, that's why you want to warm people up, uh, especially when it comes to to selling high ticket items where you're selling to strangers, basically. Normally, when, when when I have a client that comes to me straight for the high ticket, like, hey, I want to get mentored, coached by you, how much is it, right? They've done some research. They saw my videos. They got enough value from all the stuff I put out there that they said, okay, I'm, I'm going to skip the low ticket, the courses, and I want to go straight to working one-on-one with you. So that can happen, but it's because the person saw and got enough value in advance Mm-hmm. Um, to be able to be like, okay, then if I'm getting this much value for free from her YouTube videos and stuff, then who knows how much value I'm going to get if I work one-on-one with this person. So you want to build that relationship. Sometimes you don't even know you're building it. You're just putting content out there. You don't know who's being impacted by it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's the other beauty of it. When people come out of the shadows and tell you, Hey, I've been following you for years and now finally, um, and I've had people like that, like after years, they finally speak up. Uh, so you really, you don't know who, who you are impacting with your message. And eventually they can turn into high ticket buyers.
1: Mm-hmm. Has anybody ever come up to you in person after like a seminar or something and say, Oh my God, it's so, it's so nice to, to see you in person.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a lot, um, you know, especially when I go to like the ClickFunnels seminars, they do like once a year. other marketing seminars and people do come up to me sometimes and they saw my videos or they know who i am i think the the coolest thing was one time i was at a shopping mall in miami or something and somebody approached me like that was weird because it was not a seminar (laughs) it was out in the wild uh but that it's always a very humbling experience to know that um you know people (laughs) got something you know out of something i created
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. I, i i haven't exactly had like too much of that, but they're not. And this is not a you brag. It's just more a way to show. <laughs> I, I there's a, I can certainly warm up my YouTube channel again. That's for sure. But I, I just remember, like I, I was helping some uh, people do some student films a couple of years ago, and then I helped them do another independent video in the summer. And one of the guys was like, "Dude, I saw that that video you did in class. Dude, you were so good." And I like, just that little that little nugget of influence? I'm like, "Oh yeah, that does feel good." It feels yeah. great, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, def- <laughs> it's definitely worth it. So the next thing I want to ask you about is uh, influencers. This is also an important component to the e-commerce puzzle, and I, our, our I'm I, again, I'm, I'm assuming that our audience understands it at least on some level. Uh, but what I found interesting about your experience with it, and this is from an interview that you had done on uh, Intellifluence, is that the idea was instead of working with one large influencer and dumping all your resources into their platform instead you had worked with uh, micro influencers so a bunch of smaller ones who can disperse and uh, uh, you know like divide and conquer so
0: mm.
1: I'm, I'm asking about your experience on both sides assuming that there is experience on both sides if you being an influencer versus work that you've done with influencers
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah i do definitely believe that it's it's, it's like putting all your eggs in one basket versus diversifying. So sometimes it's better to hire more influencers who are, you know, we ha- may have smaller followings, but you wanna, now you don't wanna look at the followers, you wanna look at the engagement. So whenever I, I see somebody with a million followers or two million, the first thing I do if I go look at the last four or six posts on their feed, And I see the proportion of people, not only that liked the post, because that you can get a bunch of bots for that, but the Mm -hmm. comments. And then you want to look at the comments and you want to see, are they real comments? Because all of that can be faked. And I know because I've known people who do that for a living. Like they buy you, they give you fake followers and fake comments. They claim they are from real people, which they are real people, right? They're not all fake accounts, But they're real people who are only commenting because they are part of this group on Telegram or WhatsApp or whatever, where they give each other engagement to boost their account. So it's not it's still not real. Like even if they are real people, it's not a genuine comment. It's not a genuine like. It's just to boost each other. And there are mm-hmm. groups with thousands of people who do this every single day and they do it for clients and stuff. And, they, and then you go look at the comments and they're so generic and that's how you know. Okay, so maybe some of the followers are real, but most of the comments are like, oh, that is so cool. That is so great. Good stuff. So now you're Wow, trying.
1: I love textiles.
0: Yep, exactly. Yeah. Or sometimes there's a video post and you see the comments and it's like, great photo immediately you know it's it's not a real comment so don't look at the the numbers just go you have to go in and analyze and see are these real or not you can click on uh, i think i don't know what happened with instagram hiding the likes now it's still i still see them over here i don't know if in the u.s they're still hidden where you don't see how many likes someone has but if you do (laughs) uh you click on it and and you go check And you look at the accounts that like the post. Do they look real, right? So you want to do that research. Otherwise, you might end up paying somebody ten thousand dollars for a promoted post that gave you no results because Mm -hmm. you just got a bunch of fake comments and fake likes and comments. They don't buy stuff. (laughs) Uh, You you can't buy stuff with likes. Uh, You need real people engaging. And sometimes the the micro influencers, you know, people with five thousand followers, ten thousand maybe up to 20,000, 50,000. I don't know where it stops called, uh, being mm-hmm. a micro, <laughs> but sometimes you go look at those people and, oh, wow, so this person has 5,000 followers and they get 1,000 likes per post. That means 20% of their followers are actually liking and, and a huge percentage are commenting and the comments are real. Okay, then that might be worth more to you, uh, especially if they are in a niche that has to do with, you know that has something to do with your product, because the other thing that happens a lot of Instagram on Instagram, and I've been a victim of that, is you have these big YouTubers sometimes, who will do these paid promotions like these influencer campaigns where they give away an iPhone or something. It's always an iPhone or an iPad or something like that, like a very aspirational product that they know the kids want. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the YouTuber whose audience is between 13 and 18, so definitely not my target audience, (laughs) Mm -hmm. they'll do this iPhone giveaway. They have a million followers. Yes, they are real in this case, but they follow the YouTuber and they want the iPhone. And then the YouTuber is like, all right, so to participate for this iPhone, you need to go and follow all the people I'm following. So they do this like once a week. And then the, the influencer, they have 2 million followers and they only follow 40 people. And those 40 people paid to be followed for that particular campaign so then they tell all their all these kids go follow the 40 people i'm following and so they automatically all these kids they go and they follow everybody Mm -hmm. so i fell for a couple of these a couple times where i wasn't aware of how it was happening and then i was like why am i getting all these children following me like what is this and then i went to check and oh great so they told me like they sometimes they sell it in a way where you believe you're going to get targeted Mm. followers and they are real but they're not targeted so i started like removing it was a pain in the in the ass to manually remove all these children from my account who were were not going to get any value from my posts they were too young they were following this youtuber who did funny videos Mm -hmm. and uh they they were you know just cluttering my account, you know, inflating my followers, but it, it would make me look bad when I have this many followers and nobody is engaging with me. Mm-hmm. So that is the type of influencer campaign that I would tell people to refrain from participating in, even if it's attractive. Like You'll see the followers come in like, oh, 5,000 followers, but it's very likely that those people didn't follow you for who you are. They followed you to win an iPhone somewhere. Mm, Right. so I don't do those anymore I did it a couple of times and then I discovered how it was working and I said, okay, it's not worth it I don't need the numbers I need real people who will engage and these people won't so don't do that and find find, uh, accounts, influencers who you can tell they genuinely built their audience without these gimmicks, these weird things Uh, and where they have real people engaging with them. And these are people who could potentially become your clients at some point because it's a similar niche or the same niche. And reach out to those and see how much they would... I mean, first of all, are they willing to do paid promotions? Discuss the terms really well. Like, it's not going to be an iPhone contest. No, no. We're going to mention you in our stories. We're going to genuinely recommend you. Or we're going to do an Instagram live interview with you. Uh, and then you can talk about your product to my audience. You know, I think that's, that's probably the best way to go about it um, to really influence mm-hmm. uh, than having some other uh, weird gimmick. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I will say if 10,000 kids uh, showed up to my YouTube channel, I might just pivot and start talking about Nerf guns. <laughs>
0: mm.
1: <laughs> All right. So we're, we're getting close to, uh, to letting you go because I know you've got uh, places to be, things to do. Or under the current circumstances, just things to do. But there was one part of your backstory that stuck out to me, and I wanted to hear your uh, your experience with it. Because when you were raised, you were raised on the idea that money is evil. And I'm just going to tell you my position off the bat. My position is that money is neutral. It could be used for evil, but it could also be used for good, and it's ideally should be used for good. Mm. So, how did that have an effect on you? How did you know? What did how did your mind change over time and overall, you know, what's your opinion on money now?
0: Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. It's, it's a Latin American thing. It's sure. it's like a cultural thing in South America in general. Some countries worse than others. Like in my country, it's not that bad, but there are other countries where it's a lot worse. Um, so in, in the case of my family, they didn't like tell me money is evil like that, but it was they didn't like my parents didn't have like a great relationship with it in the the sense that my dad was always in debt and always complaining about money so that Mm -hmm. made it seem like it was a bad thing right so I didn't lack anything growing up I got great education and everything but it wasn't like it wasn't just flowing and and oh you need money here you go no I did not grow up like that usually if I asked my dad for money it was like uh, what like what for and and if it was not essential, then I wouldn't get it. <laughs> so it wasn't like like uh, like money is is a bad thing, but you notice that it would it didn't create a a good experience. And and when you see your parents constantly complaining that they don't have any, uh, it it of course creates this negative negativity around it. But I I liked money, like I I liked saving it and having it and and. As I started growing up, I never had that many like ambitions anyway. I am, um, but I I did think, hey, it would be cool if when I grow up, I don't have this. I don't have to complain about money like my parents did. So mm-hmm. that would be great. So I wanted to have more money so that I wouldn't have to be constantly spinning around it and being worried that I don't have enough. So that was another thing that really motivated me to to study business. Instead of, you know, another thing I wanted to study was jur- uh, journalism, because I enjoyed writing. But in the end, I, I ended up going to business school because I thought, hey, maybe somehow this, this could help me make more money and do things that I enjoy. It's when you are in, in business, there's so many things you can do and you can be in so many different businesses in so many different industries. So it was like a very wide range of things that I could do. So that's one reason I, I went for, for business. And also my dad told me, hey, you should study business. And I was like, okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I was just 18 years old, didn't know much about what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. So it sounded good. But now that I've read so many books, that I've followed so many mentors, gurus, you know, people who know about money, and who talk about your relationship with money. I think one of uh, probably the first book I read about it was uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. That was a really good read, very eye-opening about how money works and the relationship with it. Um, then I, another great book that that helped me have a better relationship with money was T. Harv Ecker's *Secrets of the Millionaire Mind*. Great book as well. It really covers the relationship with money. And then other people that I was following, they were always saying that money just amplifies who you are. The same thing as social media. You know, social media amplifies. Who you already are. So if you're a bad person, then you're a bad person with a lot of followers. And if you're a good person, then you can do good things with having a lot of influence. And the same mm-hmm. thing with money. So the way you said it, right? It's it's a neutral thing. It it just it will just amplify who you are. It will not make you good or bad. Um, and that's how I see it now. I just you know I know that as long as as you make money in a in an ethical way, in a good way. Then there's really nothing wrong with making a lot of money if you're mm-hmm. helping a lot of people.
1: You know, you raised a good point too about. I mean, money is not just a resource, but any resource can be used for uh, for for light or dark. You know, if somebody has ten thousand kids that they can send to somebody else's uh, YouTube channel that can be used for nefarious purposes. So yeah, it's yeah. It, all, all all resources are can be neutral. Yeah, so that uh, right. that's a that's a great takeaway. All right, so that is as much time as I uh, as we can as we can get out of you today. Uh, I want to thank you for it thank very you. much. So, and for people who want to uh, reach out to you, what can they uh, what can they do? And then, if you want to leave us with any uh, last minute wisdom, not that we're hurting for wisdom, we've got quite a bit, but just in <laughs> case I missed a question I could have asked, but whatever it is, the floor is yours once more. So take it away.
0: Great, thank you so much. Uh, so. I would love for people to check out my podcast as well. You mentioned it at the beginning. It's called Beyond the Hustle, and you can find it on all of the main platforms, or you can go to beyondthehustle.com and subscribe. Uh, I'd love to, to get the word out to more people what I'm doing. Got some great guests on there as well. And... My Instagram, I usually, I try to post bilingual content, but lately it's, it's been mostly Spanish. So if anybody here uh, here speaks Spanish, you can follow me on Instagram. Uh, it's my name and last name at Carolina Millan. Millan is spelled with double L-M-I-L-L-A-N. And um, my website is currently under construction, but it's going to be uh, out again soon. We're changing the design. But my English website is carolinamillan.net and my Spanish website is carolinamillan.com. Come so those are okay. um, my two main websites. So would love to hear from some people. And as for uh, any any wisdom, I would say uh, <laughs> to to be you know if, if you want to succeed online and 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 really do something you enjoy to be to try to be as authentic as possible and not just do things for the attention. Like like I said, I I couldn't I couldn't do. You know, entertaining, funny videos just it just would feel so weird, and it wouldn't be funny because I'm mm. I'm I'm not a I'm not a funny person. <laughs> so I prefer having less audience, less followers, less everything, and and be doing something that represents me, than just doing something for the likes and the followers. Which unfortunately, a lot of people nowadays are chasing. They're chasing that mm-hmm. attention, and sometimes they don't even care how they get it. So I invite people to, to really focus on doing things that they care about, that they love that, because that's what's gonna make you feel good about, about it at the end of the day mm-hmm. and just be real. People are looking for people who are authentic and real.
1: Excellent. Well, I, th- I can say that I think they'll find that in you for certain. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. All right, everybody, uh, it's been uh, it's been a great uh, it's been a great uh, episode here and we will catch you next time. You might have found this show on many number of platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher or right here on Debutify. Whatever the case, if you enjoy this content and want to help us thrive, please take a few moments to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you think is best. We also want to hear from you. So whether you think you'd be a good guest or want to weigh in on anything related to our show, you can email podcast at Debutify.com or connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Finally, this podcast is created by the passionate team at Debutify. If you're ready to take the plunge into e-commerce or are looking to up your game, head over to Debutify.com and see how it can change your life and the lives of many through what you do next.